I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. I'm your host and guide, Tom Tate, taking you through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. But not today. Today, we've got a very special episode. It is the latest episode of DLC, or downloadable content, uh, which is my shorter episodes that go off the rails. Uh, It's been maybe six weeks since the release of the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I was able to procure one uh, from GameStop. So this is going to be my spoiler-free review of the Nintendo Switch and also The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I hope that you dig it. Next week, we will be back with the Final Fantasy Strategy Guide episode, which is going to cover issue 17 issue seventeen of Nintendo Power. So we're going to get right back on track with the Nintendo Power issue episodes. We have just a few more issues until we're in 1991 which was just such an incredible year for the Nintendo as well as the Super Nintendo. So I'm really excited uh, to get into that era of gaming. Uh, But today it is all about current gen. So I'm going to break up my comments on the Nintendo Switch uh, into a few sections here. First, I'll cover the launch, then the hardware, then the software and games. I'll talk about Zelda and then I'll let you know what I'm most excited about for the future of the Nintendo Switch. Now, I'm not a video game professional. Uh, I'm not a journalist. Um, I don't do this for a living. Uh, So these are just one man's comments. And I'm sure you can go online and read a ton of people's comments. But I am having a blast with the system, and I felt compelled to kind of share with the listeners uh, how my experience has been, uh, because I'm sure you've heard from a lot of different podcasters, writers, uh, friends, and yourselves, you know, how the experience has been. Uh, So I'm curious, uh, feel free to interact with me outside of this episode on Twitter at YoPowerTime, Y-O-PowerTime. If you hear anything outrageous that you just have to comment on, that's the best way to reach me. Uh, You can also sign up for our newsletter at PowerTimePodcast.com slash unlocked. And when you're on the newsletter, you can write back to me at any time. So I respond to every email. Um, so it's a good opportunity to interact with me there. But without further ado, let's dig right into the release of the Nintendo Switch, starting with the launch. So if you are listening to a Nintendo podcast, I'm going to make the assumption that you either own a Nintendo Switch or you don't own one, but you know plenty about it and maybe you've thought about it, made a conscious decision not to purchase at this time. But in the rare chance that you have absolutely no idea what the Nintendo Switch is uh, or any details of the launch, I'm going to give a brief summary of just that. I'll give some of the facts. So the Nintendo Switch was released on March 3rd, 2017. At the time of release of this episode, it is April 13th. So we're over a month now. Uh, Since release, the Nintendo Switch was pitched as a home console that you could take with you on the go anywhere. 
the initial trailer and the subsequent commercials that came out. There was a popular Super Bowl commercial. It showed gamers doing uh, doing just that. So gamers at an outdoor party, in their kitchen, at the airport, on the plane, uh, other locales, as well as playing on their big screen HDTV while docked. Uh, so that was the promise. Uh, you can play on the TV docked in a plastic cradle that also serves as a charger for the console. You have two detachable controllers called Joy-Cons that slide into place on the left and right side of the screen when it's in handheld mode. Uh, they can be attached or detached, so you can play with it with them on or off, uh, even when you're undocked. And the best comparison that I can make with the Joy-Cons without you actually Googling them to see them if you haven't already, uh, is they're kind of like mini uh, Wiimotes if you played the Nintendo Wii. Uh, and I only say that because they're they're handheld. They kind of just fit in your hand easily. They're a lot smaller. Uh, there's more tech in them. The left Joy-Con has a different button layout than the right Joy-Con, so there are some differences. It's not the best comparison, but they're handheld. They can be be uh, played vertically or you can turn them sideways, play them horizontally in kind of like a classic controller configuration. So they are pretty cool. Uh, One of the big debates since the Nintendo Switch was announced is, is it a home console or is it a portable? And I I truly believe that it's both. Um, I am looking at it as a home console. It has the the dock to the TV. Uh, It is playing triple a games as of right now it's playing a triple a game the legend of zelda as of right now uh and it plays it beautifully uh there is a classic controller which i'll talk about uh, which allows you to play games with a very classic uh xbox one style controller so yeah i i would say i'm on the side of this is a home console that you can just happen to take anywhere which is pretty cool i mean it's a pretty cool promise to make um, the Joy-Cons. Uh, so the Joy-Cons are a bit uncomfortable. I'll talk about that in a bit uh, as well. Uh, but they can be used with an included grip, uh, which turns your Joy-Cons into this kind of pseudo controller. But the included grip doesn't charge them. Uh, there's a premium grip uh, that exists that does charge them. It's another point of contention for a lot of reviewers. So I think everyone knows the highlighted launch game for this was the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which was also released uh, on the Wii U on the same day. So if you are a Wii U owner and there were not that many of us, uh, you had the option of purchasing it and playing on that as well. It is uh, shown in beautiful 900p on the TV, and I think it's uh, 720p on the handheld LCD screen, but I'm not uh, 100% positive. Uh, The LCD screen is just beautiful uh, games look gorgeous on it and I'm really impressed with how the screen turned out Uh, and I'll talk about that uh, when I get into the hardware so in regards to the launch as I mentioned I was able to secure my switch through GameStop Uh, I was really trying to get it through Best Buy uh, or Amazon uh, but I got it through GameStop they were really hard to get the pre-orders went fast Um, so when they announced the pre-orders and GameStop and Amazon were sold out and Best Buy was sold out, Uh, I got lucky uh, in that I was refreshing GameStop one day uh, and I was able to snag a pre-order. I was able to get Zelda from Amazon. Uh, Both were shipped on day one. So I got day one delivery, super easy to set up. 
Uh, I did my first amateur unboxing video. Uh, it was pretty silly. Uh, you can find that. I don't know where you can find that. Maybe I'll put that on YouTube uh, and share that. But I was playing within minutes of, of opening this thing up, which was pretty awesome. Um, not a lot of setup. No uh, massive day one downloads, uh, which is something that I experienced with Xbox One. It took me about two and a half hours just to start playing Xbox One when I got it because of all these outrageous gigabyte-sized downloads. Uh, one of the biggest points of contention as well from a lot of reviewers was the launch lineup being very slim. Uh, so the Switch launched with the following games. There was, there was uh, Skylanders Imaginators, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, Inspector of Torment, Just Dance 2017, Fast RMX, which is a uh, racing game, Super Bomberman R, Snipper Clips, I Am Setsuna, 1-2 Switch, and Zelda. Uh, so I'll talk more about the games as well, uh, but that was the that was your launch lineup. Um, so those were your options on March 3rd. There were a lot of problems with this launch. Uh, mostly, I noticed reports of pre-orders being canceled, uh, day one delivery not showing up. Of course, that's not Nintendo's problem. Uh, either of those probably are not Nintendo's problem. Uh, the lack of titles to choose from on launch I personally don't think that that's a problem because you delivered The Legend of Zelda and I feel like that was the game. That was the game that most people were in it for and uh, at least certainly speaking for myself, um, I didn't need another game for the past five weeks and I probably won't need another game for the next two or three. Um, so if if you're not a Zelda fan, then maybe this console is not for you yet. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that too. Uh, I had no problems. Uh, again, all I cared about was Zelda. So the whole launch went very smoothly for me. Uh, my launch was was pretty pleasant. For me, outside of the launch, the biggest problem with the Nintendo Switch is the hardware itself. So let's jump right into that next segment to discuss the hardware of the Nintendo Switch. I I do love the concept of the console. I really appreciate what they envisioned for it, and it definitely delivers that promise of being able to play these AAA titles anywhere on the go. Uh, it feels so much better than the Wii and the Wii U in terms of build quality, like just the feel of it. Uh, holding it in my hand, it feels like a professional, not professional, but it feels like uh, the appropriate weight uh, and texture of a premium tech device. Whereas with the Wii U, it felt like a it it felt cheap. It felt like a cheap toy, and the screen felt cheap. The Wii U almost feels like a a big beta test for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it just felt like a prototype or, or something. It just felt different, and I feel like with the Nintendo Switch, it just feels like I'm getting my money's worth. It feels like a nice, solid device. Um, I, I've already started using this to its potential based on the the trailers that they've released. Uh, so the first weekend that I had this thing, uh, I took a trip to San Diego. So I actually had the opportunity uh, to be that guy, uh, that guy who was on the plane with popping open the uh, Nintendo uh, Switch kickstand on his uh, airplane tray and playing Legend of Zelda on the flight, um, and I was able to play at the airport, charge it, um, and play at my hotel during downtime while I was on this trip. 
Um, so it was so awesome to get a brand new Nintendo console, uh, unbox it, play it for a little bit, and not have to leave it for five days while I was on this trip, uh, or pack up an entire console and be tethered to my hotel TV. Uh, so I'm that introvert uh, sitting in the hotel playing Legend of Zelda while, while everyone else is being social at this conference I was at. So I didn't have to do that, um, which was really, really awesome. And I appreciated that very much. Normally, I would bring my uh, 3DS on a trip like that. And the gaming experience on a 3DS is amazing. But being able to play a game like The Legend of Zelda uh, does not compare. Uh, it was so it was so great. I can't even stress uh, that if you travel a lot, this is an awesome experience. The only problem that I will uh, say, and a lot of people have talked about this too, is the battery life is not great. I think I got two hours and 45 minutes of straight playthrough with The Legend of Zelda on the flight. Uh, this was a five or six hour flight. Um, so without a external, without an external battery pack, I was left with pretty much nothing to do. Uh, after that but the performance has been really good um, so even when it's undocked i find that the performance of the game is good the switch itself runs a little hot from time to time uh, but nothing too crazy uh, it's probably my own fault when i'm playing in bed maybe i'm covering up some of the fan vents uh, by accident with uh, a comforter uh, but it's it's definitely it performs well you know i had one f- frozen screen uh, on Legend of Zelda where the game just froze and then quit uh, back to the main menu. And I actually did get a prompt saying there was a software error. So it happens. Um, I'm sure that happens with PlayStation and Xbox 2 from time to time as well. Luckily, uh, the auto-saving in the Legend of Zelda is pretty uh, regular. So I didn't lose any progress uh, for the most part, which is great. But yeah, the performance is really good. I, I mentioned the screen looks awesome. Uh, the Joy-Cons. The Joy-Cons are small, uh, but they are manageable. I, I haven't figured out what my preference is, left or right, in terms of playing in that classic mode yet. Uh, my wife and I kind of swap back and forth when we play multiplayer games. Um, they're not incredibly comfortable. The Switch itself doesn't feel incredibly... I, I don't know what the word would be. It's not... Um, ergonomic well i guess it is ergonomic so the switch is not ergonomic uh so when you're holding it it doesn't feel incredibly uncomfortable but it also doesn't feel incredibly comfortable so if there was some type of grips that get released um that you can pop on the joy cons i'd be interested in trying those out um holding it with the included grip accessory is not that bad when it's docked uh or even in handheld mode but yeah it's it's uh it's not perfect. I'll put it that way. Uh, there's a kickstand. It's pretty useless. It's very flimsy. I feel like I'm going to break the thing every time I use it. Uh, but it is nice to have. Um, it's it's nice, uh, especially like when I was on the plane. It was nice to just pop it open and not have to worry about it. I could have the Joy-Cons on my side uh, while I was doing it. So a lot of people have asked me, you know, what's my percentage of playing portable versus docked? It's about 70-30. So I'd say about 70% of the time I'm, I'm at home, but I'm playing it uh, as a portable console. And then the other 30%, I'm playing it docked. The dock is in my bedroom, so it's typically at night uh, before bed if I want to play on the HDTV. Uh, I will dock it. 
one of my biggest uh, design flaws with the hardware, and I've complained a lot about this, and maybe it doesn't bother most people, but it certainly bothers me, is that there's no headphone jack on the grip, uh, on the classic controller, or on any of the Joy-Cons. So there is no way to pipe the audio from the game through headphones um, unless you're holding the Switch in handheld mode. So I think my example of of playing in bed is probably the best. Uh, So I have a PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 4 and I had an Xbox One and both of those had headphone jacks in the controllers themselves. So I would play in bed at night while my wife was sleeping and I wouldn't have to bother her because I was listening to the audio through the headphone jack. And I actually really started to enjoy having the audio right directly uh, fed into my ears. Um, And you got a really good like surround sound uh, stereo feel for the game's audio as opposed to, you know, my cheap speakers on my stock TV, which at that point was 15 feet away. So I, I do miss that feature. I hope that future iterations of the Pro Controller consider adding that. Um, I do, when I hold it in handheld mode in bed, I'm listening through headphones and the audio is awesome, top-notch. So it's it's an interesting design I wouldn't even call it a design flaw. It's probably just a design preference for me. Uh, the other interesting thing is that it's hard to uh, to charge it when it's undocked and in kickstand mode, uh, just based on where the charger uh, port is. Um, so it's it's another interesting design flaw. It would be nice to be able to uh, pop it up in the kickstand, which is still kind of cheap, and charge it while playing. But yeah, it's it's a great it's a great uh, console. I really can't complain too much about the hardware. It's just imperfect. Uh, it feels a little bit rushed. Feels like there's some things they could have fixed. Uh, I haven't had any warping. This is something that people have been com- complaining about: is that their switches are warping in the dock. Uh, haven't had that. Uh, no scratches. Uh, people are complaining that it's the dock is scratching their switch. Um, I do not have a screen protector, and so far, so good. Uh, the left Joy-Con has been working for me. Some people have complained about left Joy-Cons not working. Uh, I did not buy too many accessories. So another huge complaint is that accessories are super expensive. Uh, the only thing I bought was a carrying case. Uh, I believe it was the Hori Tough Pouch. I think it was 20 bucks, uh, maybe a little bit less, 14 17 I'm not sure. Uh, but I purchased a Hori Tough Pouch uh, so that I could travel with it to San Diego. Um, and I also traveled with it. Um, no, that was it. Just uh, the one flight. And it it held up pretty well um, in that pouch. Micro SDXC cards. Uh, so you're going to need cards if you're going to be doing a lot of digital downloading. Uh, there's only 32 gigabytes of built-in memory. And a lot of that is already used up by the time you open your Switch. Um, so that'll be an expense that I have not incurred yet. Uh, the dock, if you want an extra dock, it's $90. I think that's pretty steep. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that be lower. Uh, just so, you know, the idea that I could have a dock on every floor of my house is an interesting one. It's a, 
it's a bit excessive. I wouldn't do that at $90, but maybe at $30, I'd consider getting an extra one, putting it in my basement. Uh, but yes, the, the dock is expensive. Uh, Joy-Cons are $50 each, $80 a pair. So try not to lose those Joy-Cons. Um, luckily, you can play a lot of the multiplayer games with the two Joy-Cons that are included just by sliding uh, them off and handing one to a partner. The Pro Controller is 70 and I think that's incredibly steep. I know there's a lot of good tech in there, but I just think that was a little bit too much. Uh, various screen protectors and accessories also exist. Uh, there's special docks, special stands, all kinds of interesting things. Um, I think there's a, a, a connection for Ethernet if you want to do an Ethernet, uh, hardwired internet connection. So it's an expensive console when you start adding things up. I, oh yeah, the price, um, $299. So I paid $299 for it. Um, and I felt like that was a really appropriate price uh, for what you get. Um, so no games are packed in, uh, but I, I I still feel like $299 was the sweet spot um, f- based on the tech uh, that you're getting for it. So $300. Um, and then if you can avoid all those hidden costs now, like I will need an SD card eventually, but they're not that expensive and the price will continue to go down, you can probably keep it at $299. I don't think the Pro Controller is a necessity at this point. Uh, a lot of people have mentioned that it, it is, but I, I think it's TBD, uh, whether or not you really need the Pro Controller. I've been playing Legend of Zelda w- without it um, just fine. So that that's going to bring us to you know one of my favorite thing about the Nintendo Switch and really all I care about at the end of the day and that's going to be the games. So I want to talk about the software and games, but before I do that, let's break up this episode with a little bit of music uh just because you probably didn't want to just hear me talk and ramble on for, you know, 30 minutes or so. So we're going to listen to uh The Mushroom Forest from Little Nemo Dream Master and this is a track by Careless Juja from Legend of the Board Knight. Really awesome track. It's a short one. We'll play it in full, and then I will be back uh, to talk about the software and the games on the Nintendo Switch. We're back. Uh, we're going to talk about the software and the games for the Nintendo Switch. And then I will talk about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. 
uh, talk a little bit about the future of the Nintendo Switch that excites me the most, and then we are going to wrap up this episode. Uh, so let's get right into it. The UI for the, the Nintendo Switch, it's very bare bones. I'm kind of fine with that. Um, you could argue that it's simply unfinished, or you could argue that it's intentionally minimalistic. I'd probably lean towards the unfinished side of things. It definitely doesn't feel uh, as polished as it should be. Uh, one of the things that I'm most disappointed about is the lack of the activity log. Uh, it'll give you an approximate it seems, of how long you've been playing a game. Uh, Like, it'll tell me that I've played an ungodly amount of The Legend of Zelda, uh, but it'll approximate somewhere in the tens or fives. Um, It won't actually give me the the exact time and the exact minute uh, of gameplay like the 3DS and the Wii U did. And I really appreciated that feature in previous consoles, and I'd always compare the games in my library frequently by playtime. So in in my 3DS, I've played a lot of Zelda games, and it's interesting to go in there and compare and see how much time I've actually spent completing the various Zelda games and how they compare. Uh, But I'm actually spending far less time in the UI than I do in the games. Uh, When the Switch is in sleep mode and you go to wake it up, it's actually really awesome. It takes you right back into the game uh, where you were playing it last um, and it's so snappy, like it just comes right up. Um, so I'm spending such less time in the UI. Uh, currently, I've only purchased two games. Uh, I have Snipper Clips and Zelda: The Breath of the Wild. Snipper Clips is a super fun co-op game. My wife and I have had many squabbles trying to collaborate on it. It is challenging. Uh, you really have to communicate with who you're playing with. There's a single-player mode. It might be a little less uh, stressful but still challenging nonetheless. You have to switch back and forth uh, between what would otherwise be player one and player two. Uh, It's kind of a hard game for me to explain, but basically you have two characters that can snip each other into different shapes uh, to complete different puzzles. So I passed on 1-2-Switch. That was the other big Nintendo game that was released. Uh, Like many, I felt like this type of game, which is like a mini game, party game, It should have been a pack-in with the system. Um, I'd like to check it out someday, but it's just not something that I felt like I was going to be paying. I think it was $50 for at launch. Uh, I'm going to check it out, just not right away. So here are the games that I've uh, passed on at launch that I'm probably going to be playing as well. Uh, I Am Setsuna, I believe, is going to be the next game that I jump into. Uh, It's a square RPG Um, it's in the style of like a Chrono Trigger. It's definitely a throwback to that era of RPGs. Chrono Trigger, one of my favorite games of all time. So I'm really excited to jump back into that. It was released for PlayStation 4 and Vita, uh, but not in the United States uh, on Vita. So I would have already played this game on Vita if it was released. Um, I skipped it on PS4, but I love the prospect of playing it on the Switch. uh, So I'm going to do that. Um, Shovel Knight. Uh, so the latest uh, batch of Shovel Knight games um, has been released for the Switch. I played through the original Shovel Knight, and I think I'm going to play through it again along with the bonus, uh, the additional content that they've released. Bomberman R is, I believe, a $50 title. I'd probably play it if it was $30. Um, it's going to take a price drop for me to go grab that game uh, but I love Bomberman I'm glad that it's back uh, and I'll definitely be playing that uh, there are a lot of SNK throwback uh, games that have been released 
Uh, some concerns about, I, I believe, audio lag was the, one of the main concerns. Uh, the colors being a little bit off. But I believe all that stuff is getting fixed. Uh, but you're going to get games like King of the Fighters, uh, Metal Slug. Um, there's a there's a, there's a a bunch of them. Um, I was never a huge SNK fan. I loved Metal Slug. Uh, and King of Fighters, uh, of course, was a great game as well. So maybe I'll pick up some SNK games. Uh, and then one of the most anticipated games uh, on the Switch that I want to play, it's gotten great reviews, is Blaster Master Zero. Um, so we talked about Blaster Master in a previous Power Time episode, but of course we were talking about the NES Classic uh, Blaster Master. And now you have access to a brand new game from Inti Creates, which looks awesome. Uh, and the reviews, again, are really good. So Blaster Master Zero and I Am Setsuna are probably my two uh, next plays. Uh, there's also Has Been Heroes, which was recently released. It's a roguelike uh, strategy game. Uh, reviews are mixed on that one. I've heard uh, both sides of the coin. Uh, I'll probably pass on that one, but if you can convince me otherwise, I'll check it out. Uh, Lego City Undercover. Uh, so this is like a GTA-style Lego, uh, Lego game. I've always enjoyed the Lego games uh, as like a casual pick-up-and-play. Never owned one, but my my younger brother uh, owned a ton, and we would always pick up and play like the Lego Star Wars games. Um, I would be interested in trying that out uh, later on when I have nothing to play, and it looks like there will be patches where there is not much to play. So keeping my eye on that, and I'm sure I'm missing some other games as well that are available at the moment. But let's be honest, uh, the only game that really mattered at launch, at least for me, was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, So let's talk about that briefly, then we'll wrap up this episode. It is hands down the best game that I've ever played. Uh, I think I mentioned that last week on the the podcast. Um, It is, without a doubt, just the, it's a masterpiece. And if you look at a lot of the reviews, you're going to see 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, um, a plus people will use words like masterpiece and all that stuff came out before the game was actually in my hands and I was reading it uh, with some skepticism and I was a little cautious going into it because I didn't want to get my hopes up uh, I you know I was reading words like masterpiece but I didn't know what that actually meant until I started playing the game it is so good um, so this is going to be kind of spoiler free ish um, if I reveal anything, it'll be minor details that were already revealed probably in, in pre-launch stuff. So uh, you don't have to worry about tuning out if you haven't played the game yet. But yes, it is just incredible. Um, it's a really well done game. Uh, let's talk about the story first. It, you know, Zelda games are are really built off of compelling stories. And I've found this one to be uh, an interesting experience. Uh, so this is not really a spoiler. Uh, this has been revealed in many trailers prior to release, but Link has been asleep for a hundred years and he wakes up without any memory of what has happened. Uh, and I love this idea of trying to reconstruct what happened by voyaging through this world that has clearly been lived in. It's clearly been uh, changed over time. So the story in this Legend of Zelda is not so much what's happening as much as it is what's happened. And I thought that that was a really cool experience. And unlike other Zeldas, uh, this game has many, many, many more uh, little side stories to be told, little narratives that you can pick up on through side quests 
Um, you got some of that in previous Zeldas, of course, but here I feel like the world is just, it, there is a main story that you can choose to uh, follow or ignore. And there are tons of little stories and all of them seem to complement uh, this world that you're inhabiting uh, and trying to unravel the history of what has happened in the past hundred years. Uh, there are a ton of new characters to meet same archetypes though. You know, you have the same um, races that you've had like the Gorons and the Zoras uh, in previous games. So that's, that's pretty cool. Like it's not completely unfamiliar, but everything feels new. Uh, the world itself is, uh, it really lends itself to exploration uh, and random adventuring. You know, you'll see something, you'll want to check it out, you'll go check it out, you'll learn about it. Uh, a small story will start to unravel and you can make a decision whether or not you want to uh, learn more about that story and experience it or continue on with the main quest. Uh, and I think all of this is complemented by that setting. Uh, so let's talk about the setting, Hyrule. Um, it's huge in this game, it's so big. It's hard to really fathom how much there actually is to explore, uh, especially when looking at the map. Um, so I'll look at the map and see kind of uh, empty spots that I haven't been in yet. Um, and it's just really hard to even imagine checking out every nook and cranny that this world has to offer because of how big it is. And I've been playing for a long time and there's still so much more to see. Um, each world or each kind of section of the map that you explore very distinct you have distinct uh uh plant life distinct items that you can pick up distinct enemies uh the weather is distinct uh there's a desert area that's really hot during the day and then really cold at night um really just smart weather one thing that I've been really excited about with this game is there are a lot of high vantage points and you can climb anything. So it's really awesome. Probably one of the best feelings ever that I've felt in a video game to see a high vantage point, climb up, uh, and then you're standing up atop, you know, either a tower or a mountain. And it's just this beautiful, liberating feeling gives you a true sense of adventure when you can look out uh, zoom in, see something that you want to explore that you haven't seen before. You can set a marker and you can just start moving towards it. You can start gliding towards it. Um, it's just such an awesome sense of adventure. I mean, that's what this game is all about. Uh, the environment itself is really interactive. Um, if you're in a lightning storm, you have to strip off all of your metal uh, armor. Otherwise, you're going to get shocked. Um, if you are uh, in a cold environment, you have to up uh, your cold resistance uh, by eating some spicy food um, or putting on extra clothing. So it, it's just uh, it's just well done. I mean, when people say it's a masterpiece, I feel like that's what they're talking about. All the pieces fit together so well. Uh, and the gameplay itself, everything uh, has just been perfect. I've really enjoyed uh, the battle system, um, the open adventure uh, nature of it. I also love encountering areas that I can't complete. So finding enemies that I can't beat um, and marking it on my map and coming back later when I have some additional armor, some additional food. Um, it, it's just an easy thing to do. Um, fast travel is really tastefully done in this game. So you can get around easily once you start. Um, well, I'm not going to spoil how you fast travel um, if you haven't played at all. But once you get into the game, fast travel is really easy. 
Um, one of the comments that I've heard is, you know, weapons get destroyed too easily. And I found that that was true uh, in the beginning of the game. Um, and it definitely is a mechanism that scales the difficulty a bit, I, I think. Uh, but as you progress through the game, you start getting some uh, more well-built weapons. They break less easily. Um, so it wasn't so much a concern throughout the entire game as I was playing it. Um, I've really enjoyed cooking food. Uh, that's a dynamic that I never thought I'd enjoy in a Zelda game, uh, but it's been really fun to collect food and then to cook it and then be able to cook based on adventures that I know I'm about to go on. So I'll cook specific food knowing what I'm about to encounter, most likely. Um, there's a dynamic of catching and riding horses. I haven't done this too much. I've caught two horses. Um, I've only saved one. Um, so I have a horse that I can call upon at stables, which is pretty cool. Um, leveling up. So unlike a traditional RPG that has experience points, um, you get spirit orbs in this game and I'm not going to reveal how, and those spirit orbs can be, uh, redeemed for additional abilities. Um, it's extending your health, extending your stamina, things like that. Um, so it's, it's a nice way to give you the freedom if you want to level up quote unquote uh your heart pieces you can do that um you can strictly go adventuring to unlock certain places and get spirit orbs so that you can level up a specific attribute um which gives you a lot of freedom um i like that you also got all of your abilities pretty quickly um, so that you were free to go do all those things. Um, so you you learn a lot of the main abilities that you're going to be using throughout the game quickly. Uh, I haven't had too much withheld from me uh, throughout the game. Like It's not like some big game-changing mechanic unlocks at 40 hours in, although maybe I'm not at that yet, but it's pretty cool to have everything available to you quickly so that you can just be free, be free to do whatever you want to do. So overall, um, you know, I'll wrap this up because I'm just rambling at this point on how much I love this game. It definitely shifts a lot of these Zelda conventions around. Um, I mentioned this when the game was first announced and revealed at E3. Um, I, I guess it was last year. I, I mentioned this to a podcaster that I met at a podcasting conference that it was the Zelda game I never knew I wanted. Uh, just the idea of the collecting of the food and the cooking, the open world uh, atmosphere, the freedom to go wherever you want it. I always thought I wanted the linear Ocarina of Time or A Link to the Past Zelda, but this is actually a breed of Zelda that I never knew I would want. Um, a lot of people are critiquing the dungeons in the game, um, so I'm not going to spoil anything there. I will just say, if you've encountered the quote-unquote dungeons, uh, it, they don't bother me as much as they bother some other video game personalities. Uh, I enjoy them. I, I've found them still to be challenging um, and a, a really nice compliment to the story. Um, so that's all I will say about that. I would definitely uh, like to see more of this, and I'm pretty sure that they've already come out and said that you know this is pretty much the future of Zelda. I think it would be cool to see kind of an alternating pattern between a game like this and a game like uh, A Link Between Worlds, which was kind of the top-down 2D style, uh, but you know, modeled after A Link to the Past, but still using a lot of current 
uh, current game conventions. Um, so something with the freedom of Breath of the Wild, but the look and feel of A Link Between Worlds would be really, really interesting. Uh, I would definitely love to play a game like that, uh, if not on the 3DS on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and I feel like I'm close to the point where I can beat the game, uh, but not quite yet. Uh, so that's a also a very spoiler-free answer. Uh, but I, I have one more thing I need to do uh, before I feel like I can go take on Ganon. Uh, but I'm really excited. I can't wait to see the ending. Uh, I can't wait to put this game aside for a little bit uh, just so I can play some other games. Uh, but I, I'm excited knowing that there will be DLC for this game. And when I pick up the DLC, I will not only have that, but maybe 20, 30 hours of stuff that I didn't do uh, in Breath of the Wild that I can go back and do. Um, so overall, you know, just to wrap this up, this game really made the launch for me. Uh, this was the reason why I got the Nintendo Switch. I've been anticipating this game for five years now. Um, I'm sure it's great on the Wii U, but to be able to play it on the plane, uh, like I mentioned earlier, downstairs, upstairs, wherever, uh, it's a deal breaker. Uh, it's definitely a fantastic experience. So here's here's the quick deal. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was the future of the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and I'm going to save a full discussion of the future of Nintendo Switch for its own DLC that we'll have in probably a couple months. So Nintendo just announced some news yesterday uh, during a Nintendo Direct. Uh, I had a chance to read through it, uh, but not too much to comment on here at the moment. Uh, but we will be uh, on hand uh, to check out whatever they're announcing at E3. So E3 is just a couple of months away, uh, which is crazy. Um, so I, every E3, I, I sit there by my computer waiting for all the announcements uh, in uh, gleeful anticipation, just like a good gamer. And I'm really excited to hear what Nintendo has to announce this year. Uh, it's open to the public this year, so it would have been really cool to go. I probably won't be there. I'll be home. Uh, just hanging out. But once we get those Nintendo Switch announcements at E3, expect uh, a Power Time podcast direct uh, just so that I can comment on that and share a little bit more about the future of the Nintendo Switch, what it means for classic gaming, uh, retro gaming, and what I'm most excited about. So in the absence of a full episode, I'll just ramble off three things that I'm definitely pumped for. The first is more games. Uh, so I did not play Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, so Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which comes out this month. I'm excited about that. Uh, NBA Playgrounds is actually a game that I'm really excited about. There were a couple uh, NBA Street or NBA uh, Jam PlayStation 2 era games that I played uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, so I'm kind of interested in that game. Uh, Splatoon, I did not play on the Wii U. Everyone loves it. I'll check it out. Sonic Mania looks awesome. Project Octopath Traveler. This is a square RPG that looks like it, it looks interesting. There's not that much on it yet, uh, but I'll gladly take any new property from Square just to try it. And of course, Super Mario Odyssey looks beautiful, and I'm sure it's going to play like a dream. So I'm excited for more games. Uh, I'm also excited for the virtual console. So that's kind of all I have to say because I'm not sure what the virtual console is going to look like on the Nintendo Switch. We haven't received too much. Uh, there is word that you will have access to one downloadable title for free uh, in a given month, 
if you pay for their online subscription. I don't know what that's going to look like, but that sounds cool. Uh, and this is kind of weird to say, but the third thing I'm excited for is a hardware update. As I mentioned, I feel like there's an opportunity to fix a lot of the hardware flaws uh, with the Nintendo Switch. And I have purchased, you know, the same generation console two times in the past. You know, like I got an Xbox 360 and then when they revised the hardware, I got a new one and sold my old one. So it wouldn't be unheard of for me uh, to sell my Nintendo Switch at some point to get an improved uh, hardware uh, version of it. So if they update it, I don't think they're going to be doing this anytime soon. Uh, but let's say three years in the future, if they update the hardware, uh, and they've done this for the 3DS as well, uh, I'll be excited to check out what they improve upon. So I'm excited about that. But listen, power players, that's going to do it for me today. Um, I would love to know what you love or loathe most about the Nintendo Switch. Uh, you can let me know on Twitter at YoPowerTime, or you can sign up for our email newsletter at PowerTimePodcast.com slash Unlocked. Uh, you can shoot me a quick message uh, through that. I'm working on bulking up what the offering is for that newsletter because uh, I'm not a big fan of people who just say sign up for the newsletter uh, with nothing in return because nobody wants to just start receiving more email. Uh, but the audio content here has been my main focus. Again, we're going to return next week uh, with the Nintendo Power episodes. Um, so when the uh, semester is done, so I teach. Uh, so when my semester is done, I will have some more free time. I'll put together something cool for that newsletter offering. Until then, thank you uh, so much for your time and attention. Thanks for hanging with me today, listening to me ramble about one of my favorite things in the world, Nintendo video games. Uh, don't forget to tune in next week for some sweet, sweet Final Fantasy action. And until then, keep on playing with power. 